0: All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, It is an amazing weekend that we get to celebrate with literally millions of people around the world, tens of thousands of churches all over the globe gathered today to celebrate the greatest event in human history. Over just over two thousand years ago, after three days after Jesus went in went in the grave, the grave was empty, and we get to celebrate that because of what. Because of that, we gather to celebrate his goodness. Jesus Christ, we want to welcome you here today to take over and do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives. Let us start to live a resurrection life, realizing that there's more than what we can see today. And that you have, you have blessed us beyond measure, and we thank you for what you're going to do in this place this morning. I want to start off this morning and just ask you guys a quick question. How many of you guys have fears? Yeah, everybody's hand's going to go up, right? We're all afraid of something. Whether it's heights, whether it's, you know, there's people every time they fly, there's the fear of flying. People have all kinds of fears. But that very first Easter... At the resurrection of Jesus, a simple statement was made. And I want to read that simple statement. Actually, Christy read it quickly in one of her verses this morning. We're going to read Matthew 28, 1 through 10 this morning. And it says, Early on Sunday morning, the new day was dawning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone stone and sat on it his face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint then the angel spoke to the woman or to the women don't be afraid he said i know you're looking for jesus who was crucified he isn't here he has risen from the dead just as he said it would happen come see where his body was lying And now quickly go and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember I have told you. Remember what I have told you. The women quickly ran from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, "'Don't be afraid.'" Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. A little while after this story, if you continue to read and you actually go in into Luke, it talks about how the disciples were hiding and and everybody was hiding in a room. And all of a sudden Jesus just shows up. Now, don't tell me Jesus didn't have a sense of humor. Doors were locked, he came through the walls. What's his first words to the disciples? Don't be afraid. See, our culture today, we live with a lot of fear. Whether it's the fear of failure, it's the fear of rejection. It's anger is actually a form of fear. Control is a form of fear. When I feel like I can't control something, what do I try to do? I try to control it more. And what happens when we try to control it more? It gets more out of control. See, those are all based on fears we have that I can't control something. Well, you're right. We can't. At the end of the day, what looked like chaos on Good Friday, when Jesus was hanging on a cross, when He had nails put through His hands and His feet, when He had a crown of thorns pushed on His head and He bled for you, we call it good. Why? Because He was carrying every mistake you and I ever made and said, don't be afraid, I got you. See, that's why we celebrate Easter. It's not for the Easter bunny, although chocolate is good. It's not for hiding hard-boiled eggs and finding them, which, again, I'm a, I like the hard-boiled eggs. Whether you call them or not, I don't care. But that statement, don't be afraid, by some counts has been written in the Bible 365 times. How many days are in a year? 365. So that's one. Don't be afraid in some form or another for every day. God is saying to us today, I don't want you to be afraid. Sadly, as I was saying, one of humanity's most common problems is fear. Did you know if you go back into Genesis 1.10, the first recorded words of man were, I was afraid and I hid. See, this was after they sinned and they figured out they were all naked. Well, there was only two of them, so all of them, you know. And God's walking through the garden and he's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? Yeah, no, he knew where they were, but they thought they could hide. Their response was, I was afraid See, when we feel worried, when we can't sleep at night, when we have anxiety, when we have a lot of these things going on, when we have anger, it's about fear in our own life and fear in the world. And Jesus says in his word, I've overcome the world. So today's message is about living a better life. It's about learning how to live fear less. See, we need to learn to live with less fear and trust God more. Because as we trust God more, the fear will dissipate. I'm I'm saying all this stuff this morning so we can get the fact that because of Easter, it's good news. See, all the fears we have, Jesus said, guess what? I've overcome them. I've defeated hell, death, and the grave for you so you can live a better life. You don't have to fear. In fact, Jesus at one time says, don't fear what man can do to you. Because guess what? This is all going to pass away one day. As we get older, we hope it's sooner. <laughs> when you're younger, you hope it's not, not now. i got a lot to do with my life. I am at the point in my life where I'm like, Jesus, if you want to come back, sweet, I'm ready I'm ret- to go. Because I, but Jesus says, guess what? No, I still got more work for you to do. I still got more work for each and every one of you to do. And so I'm going to tarry, I'm going to wait until we've reached everyone. Because God's heart is that everyone comes to repentance. God has never made a child he doesn't love. And we are all his ch- children this morning. He sent his son to die because of his love for you. And so, at the resurrection of Jesus, and the good news of Easter is that now we have a way to live without that fear. We no longer have to live by fear. In 2 Corinthians 5.15 it says, Jesus included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. How many of you guys want that kind of life this morning? A far better life than you've ever thought you could have. Jesus says you can have it. But guess what? Like we talked about last week, he gets to decide what that looks like. We don't. See, my far better life 20 years ago wasn't standing in front of you today. But the far better life Jesus led me on, I've never been happier with in my life. See, Romans 8.15, I'm going to combine the message in New Living Translation. It should be up on the screen. It says this resurrection life you receive from God's spirit is not a fearful life. You're no longer a slave of fear anymore. Instead, God's spirit makes you his child, and you now relate to God as your loving father. And so as we think about Easter, how does Easter match this? How, how do we fit Easter into this story of living a better life, living a fearless life? Well, we can know certain things because of the resurrection. The first one we've been talking a lot about. And the first one, if you're looking at, you know, again, there's, there, there's that old thing that says fear is just false evidence appearing real. See, a lot of times we choose to believe lies and it creates fear. When what we need to do is we need to get back into this, which is the truth. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so I've tried to to live my life saying, guess what? If it doesn't line up with Jesus, it ain't true, and I don't care. It doesn't matter what culture's telling me. It doesn't matter what people tell me. It doesn't matter what I tell me. If it doesn't line up with God, someone's wrong. And I'm just dumb enough to believe it ain't God. So I'm going to try to change what I'm thinking to believe what he's saying and then change my life accordingly. And so the first thing we know that because of the resurrection is that Jesus tells us the truth. Again, you've heard, you see, again, you hear about a lot of people who claim to be somebody special, who claim to have all this power. And sadly, it happens in the church as well as it does in the secular world. You've heard people for years who claim to be the Messiah, who claim to be sons of God, who claim to be great prophets. The only difference between them and Jesus is they're still dead. Jesus left the grave. He said he would, and he did. So if Jesus said, I will lay down my life, but I'm going to pick it up again, and he did it, I'm thinking we can trust him. I'm thinking we can trust what he says. Romans 1.4 says, Jesus Christ was shown to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead. That simply means whatever Jesus says, I can trust. He's telling me the truth. See, the difference is, is if Jesus had not resurrected from the dead, Everything I just said to you, we might as well just close up shop and go home. Because it doesn't make a difference. But we're here celebrating today because he did. How many of y'all know the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let us in? What did the angel say? I mean, he's, I'm I'm sorry, that freaked me out too. I walk up, earthquake, angel sitting on a big stone. That probably took about five, six men to move because that's how big it was, and he just hanging out on the top of it. He ain't here. He had already left. See, he wasn't there anymore. It was to let us at a glimpse of his life, which says, guess what? If, I don't, if he's not in the grave, I ain't gots to go to the grave. Old Johnny Cash song that um, Molly Skaggs redid, ain't no grave gonna hold me down. Doesn't matter if it's the grave of fear. It's the grave of failure. It's the grave of addiction. It's the grave of medical problems. It's the grave of whatever grave you're walking through today. Jesus says you can walk out of it. Trust me. And so we learn to trust Jesus. The second thing we know because Jesus left that grave was that death is not the end. That is probably one of the greatest fears. And if you've ever worked or been around a hospital, you've ever been around anybody sick, There is a a true statement that we said in the military, there ain't no atheists in foxholes. Well, I ain't ever met an atheist that came in in a trauma that didn't want prayer. See, we can claim a lot of things when life's going good. But when we come face to face with death, if we don't know Jesus, it is fearful. Because it's the truth. We're all going to die one day. We were born to die. I know, that's an exciting message right now, isn't it? We will all die one day. We don't know when. But Jesus said, I have overcome death. Just receive my gift and overcome death yourself. 2 Corinthians 4, 14, 16, and 17 says, We know that the same God who raised Jesus from death will also raise us with Jesus. Okay, can I get a little excitement out of you for that one? you got an exclamation point after it. See, the same power that raised Jesus lives in you when you accept Jesus. Amen. There we go. I know y'all ain't got to be Minnesota nice. It ain't that early, so I know you ain't still tired. Y'all had your coffee. If not, we got coffee. Get excited about what God's doing in your life. Understand the power that said, Jesus, you're not staying here. I'm going to take you out of that grave. He says, guess what? Whatever, whoever you are, whatever you're walking in, he's telling you, I can take you out of that. Because the same power that did that lives in you. He goes, this is why we never give up. Even though our physical bodies are becoming older and weaker, and I can attest to that, and our spirit inside of us, we're made new every single day though. So where I don't have the strength to do some things I used to do when I was younger, I have more strength than to do today. He says, and the present troubles we're going through right now are quite small and won't last very long. But they are producing in us an eternal glory that is going to last forever. There we go. We get to live forever, people. Because of the resurrection, we have life. See, you're going to have problems in the future. You're going to have pain in the future. You're going to have failure in the future. You're going to have pressure in the future. You're going to have fear. But we don't have to be afraid of it because at the end of the day, we know Jesus is with us. We know it is just a transition, basically, period. And when it comes to the end of the day and I'm on my deathbed... I win. I'm, don't hear me wrong. It, it is hard and I grieve for loved ones when, when they pass away. But if they know Jesus, there is also a spirit inside of me that jumps for joy for them. I have been around people that I've just known weren't saved when I worked at the hospital and I walked out of that room broken because there was nothing I could do for them anymore. And I think we've all been around people like that where you just feel their hurt and you wish you could help them please do. Do what you can. Because we all are, gonna, we all are, all, are all going to die and we don't get to make a decision after that. The third thing we know is that God loves us extravagantly. Because of the resurrection, we see in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrated His great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us even while we were sinning against Him. I mean, that is a a verse that I've hung on to that I just love for me. Why? Because while I was still his enemy, while I still hated Jesus, while I wasn't living for Jesus, Jesus said, I love you so much, I'm still going to die for you. Whether you accept it or not doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyways. See, Ephesians 3 18, 18 and 19 says, May you be able to feel and really understand how long, how wide, how deep and how high god's love really is may you experience this love for yourself that it's so great you'll never fully understand it see when we understand how long god's love is it's everlasting it never ends see again it's it's for eternity he will never love you any more or ever any less and he will never stop loving you he is a father who just loves it's who he is it's not what he does it's who he is. It will never stop. You think about how wide God's love is. God's love is wide enough to be everywhere at any time. But yet for you, he still knows the number of hairs on your head. He's not some God that's just sitting out there in space and being everywhere. He's also personal and wants to be personal with you. How deep is God's love is? It doesn't matter what problem you're in. It doesn't matter... It. it What's hurting you today? It doesn't matter if you feel like you can't get out of your mess. God is there with you. You know, I was reading through some of my notes from past messages that I have done, and actually four years ago I, I said it on yesterday uh, in an Easter service that if Jesus is in the stern, the boat is outranked, or the storm is outranked. See, whatever you're walking through today, understand that Jesus outranks it. Why? Because he left the grave. There ain't nothing he can't overcome, Because as humans, we think his death is the end, right? Jesus said, "No, it ain't the end. It's a transition. I've overcome death. And now I'll give you more. And then we look at how high God's love is. God's love is high enough to overlook any of your faults. No matter what you think you ain't good enough in, God, God can overlook it. He's higher than it. See, regardless of what you've done in your life, God offers forgiveness. Why? Because his love is deep, it's wide, it's long, and it's high. Romans eight thirty-eight and 39 says, you know, nothing will ever separate us from God's love. Death can't, life can't, angels can't, demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that comes in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, why is, it, why is understanding God's love so critical to defeating fear and why is the resurrection so critical to It's the antidote to fear in your life is not faith. Most people think it is. The antidote to fear in your life is more of God's love. See, when we're walking through some stuff and it's not making sense or if I'm sick and I don't get healed, it's not that I don't have enough faith. It's do I trust God with His plans and love Him enough? Because if He wants to overcome sickness, guess what? He can overcome sickness. If He wants to use it to glorify Himself, that's what He will always do. That's who God is. See, we don't necessarily need more faith. We don't need more knowledge. We need more of this. But it can't just be something I'm reading. It's got to be something that's changing me. I don't want to just add Jesus to my life. If I would have just added Jesus to my life, I can guarantee my Christy and I would not still be married if all I had done is added Jesus to my life and done, not let him transform me. See, that's the key. The resurrection is about new life. It's not about adding to your life. It's about saying, everything I was. And it's, it's why we do water baptism, which we will be doing this summer. It's why we do baptism, because it's a picture of going down into the grave with Jesus in his death and coming up a new creation. It's understanding that when I give my heart to Jesus, it's not about me just saying, okay, now I'm a good person. If I show up on Sunday and I read my devotionals every day, I can check those off. But I'm going to live just like everyone else because that's what everyone else is doing. And I don't want to look weird because people won't accept me if I'm weird. Well, I've told you all before, you're all already weird, so you might as well just be right. And, and so it, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about understanding that everything I have done, Jesus said, no, I've buried it. But why do we try to give it CPR and resuscitate it? See, there's a difference between a resurrection and a resuscitation. A resuscitation brings back old life. A resurrection brings in new life. And I've done lots of resuscitations in my life. But there's nothing better than seeing somebody resurrected in Jesus. I can remember doing CPR on somebody one time. And the doctor says, really? Nothing else we can do for him right now but pray. So I started pushing on our chest again and started praying. And then we checked the heart, and there's a heartbeat. And he goes, I don't know what happened. I'm like, dude, what would you think was going to happen? You told me to pray. <laughs> and out of that, guess what? I developed a friendship on the resurrection of Jesus. But it started with a resuscitation. We don't want to resuscitate our past failures. We don't want to keep reliving them. We don't want to keep doing them. We want to bury them and leave them buried. Jesus didn't die so we could keep living an old life. Jesus died so we could pick up his new life. 1 John 4.18a says, Wherever God's love is, there is no fear, because God's perfect love drives out all fear. And that's in the New Century Version. And then 18b says in the Message Version, since fear is crippling, a fearful life is not yet fully formed in God's love. See, so it's given us the antidote to fear. We need more God's love. And again, worry, anxiety are are fearful of things we can't control. And there are a lot of things in our lives, I'm sorry to tell you people, you can't control. I, guess what? I can't control what's, what anyone else is going to do. But we try to, don't we? I heard Mark Batterson make a statement. When you're having a discussion with somebody, you need to figure out if you want to be right or you want to be righteous. I had one of those situations come up because that's God. He's got a sense of humor. You start studying something, he's going to see if you really believe what you're saying. And I had that happen this week with the text messages I received from somebody. And I'm like, do I need to be right? Because I'm like, I had to stop. If I would have answered right then, it would have gotten ugly. I'm like, ah, uh-uh, God, we need to talk about this one before I respond to this. Because I want to be righteous. I want to make sure that it says his kindness leads us to repentance. It's not being right that leads to repentance. See, Jesus didn't have to send, or God didn't have to send his son to die on a cross But He did it because of His love for you and He wanted you to be righteous in His Son. I love the verse that says, our life is hidden in Christ with God. To me, that's a picture of me. Guess what? God has to look through me, but I'm just like a little kid. You know how they stand behind your legs when they don't want to be seen out in public? They just curl up underneath your leg. As a parent, they stand right... That's how I picture me with Jesus. Jesus is standing in front of me and I get to be that little kid right behind Jesus as, as the Father's looking at me because my life is in Him. It's hidden in him. And so I get to go before God fearless because of what Jesus has done. The the fourth thing we think of is we know God has good plans for our lives because of the resurrection. He wouldn't have raised Jesus from the dead if he didn't have a plan. 1 Peter 1, 3b and 4 in the message version says because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. How many of y'all need a brand new life? All you all need to be raising your hands. We all need a brand new life every day. Unless you write, and then after you're done, raise your hands. Okay, um, I'm, I know I'm rushing you guys. See, because I get excited about what Jesus is doing. He said, and because of this brand new life, how many of you guys woke up this morning and thought, I have everything to live for? See, I woke up at 6.30 this morning, and I'm like, okay. I w- actually, I woke Christy up at 7 and said, hey, Happy Easter. Because it's Resurrection Sunday. And see, to me, this is exciting. Resurrection Sunday is exciting. It should be celebrated. It should be fun. It should be exciting. Because guess what? I have a brand new life. Because the grave was empty. And it says, you have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. See, what? Our purpose isn't to live safe till we die to get to heaven. Our purpose is to call and do what God's coming and bring as many people as we can with us. Because it starts now. When we open our, our lives to the love of God and we open our life to the reign of Christ, the benefits far outweigh any ridicule you could receive. I've had people ask me why I became a pastor. When I was sitting in my, and you've heard me say it, when I was sitting in, in with our sectional presbyters and they asked me that question, the night before, I'm praying, I'm in the shower, I'm praying, I'm like, God, I, give me some cool, theological, doctrinal, cool statement on why I want to become a pastor. And I'm sitting there and they ask me that question. Why do you want to become a pastor? And I'm like, I got Nothing except it's what I feel God's called me to do. They're like, great answer. I'm like, whew. Because I'm thinking people want this. No, just be you. See, I'm never going to be able to be anybody else. I hopefully get better, but I'm ne- I can't be anyone else. So I can just be me. And you can just be you. But God created you the way you are for a purpose to reach people for His glory. I'm going to use my daughter who's sitting here. Because I can. (laughs) We've talked about this. She trains dogs and she works with dogs. Well, guess what? That is the very purpose God created her for. She has worked with dogs no one else could work with. And this is where I try telling you guys, there is no sacred and secular jobs. There is just jobs God has called us to do. And because of this, we talked about and said, guess what? God has called you to be the best dog trainer you can be. So use it. And how are you using it? You get to help people with animals that they want to be pets. Some of them. Now she does do some other work. You don't really want them as pets because um, they will bite you. But you get to help people live a better life because of what you're doing, because it's what God's called you to do. So no matter what God's called you to do, do it understanding that it is to make someone else's life better. Because God gave you a purpose. He created you unique. I thank God every day that He doesn't make anybody else like me. I'm sure you guys do too. <laughs> no, like me, not you. You're all cool. See, because... You're unique in God's eyes. He made you the way you are for a reason. Don't ever be ashamed of that. The zeal that I have is still the same zeal I used to have. I called it something else back then. But God redirected it. And is using it for His purpose. See, God can take anything from your past. The mistakes, the shortcomings. And it says what in His Word? All things can be used for good. Good when they're surrendered to God. So let your test become someone else's testimony. Use the purpose God created you for to just love people. God meets us where we're at and God can tell you your purpose and he wants to tell you this morning is your life is bigger than any of your problems. And your life is bigger than any decisions you've made. Because He lives in you and His life is bigger. And number five is we know God will take care of our needs. Now, I'm going to read this verse first in Ephesians 1.19 and 20. I pray you'll begin to understand the incredibly great power available to us who trust God. It's the same mighty power God used to raise Jesus from death. Now, here's where we need to differentiate something. It says God will take care of your needs. He ain't going to give you what you want. See, too often we confuse those two. And again, I'm going to use parents because I am one. How many of you guys as parents have ever given your kids everything they want? I'm not going to warn you what happens when you do that because what happens, they become spoiled. They think they deserve everything because you've always given them what they want. God is going to give us what we need. And sometimes he's going to tell us what we need even when we don't want to hear it. Sometimes the greatest love is to have a friend who's willing to call you out when you're doing something wrong. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. It doesn't say, I don't even know it's nice and squishy right now, Easter bunnies, bunnies, sharpen bunnies, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say warm fuzzies, sharpen warm fuzzies. But that's what we want in it most of the time. We want somebody just to agree with us and make us feel good rather than we've talked about Nathan calling out David saying, you are that man. See, I want friends around me and I have friends around me that I will take things to to make sure I'm not making the wrong choices, wrong decisions. Because God wants to give me what I need, not what I want. See, the power that God used to raise Jesus, the resurrection is available to your problems this morning because of the resurrection. And if we... How many of you guys have ever wondered on this Easter Sunday, this morning, I want to ask you a question. What's Jesus doing right now? You guys know what Jesus is doing right now? (laughs) A lot of things is true. Ephesians 1.19 and 20 says, I pray that you'll begin to understand so that what what we need to know that you'll begin to understand the incredible great power available to us. And it goes on to say, Jesus, the Son of God, in Hebrews 4, 16, it says, Jesus, the Son of God, has gone into heaven, where he is now our high priest who helps us out. So let us hold on to our faith in him and never stop trusting him. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, for he faced all the same tests we do without sinning. So then let us have no fear in approaching God's throne of grace to receive his mercy and to find his grace that will help us when everything we need. See, what Jesus is doing right now today is he's sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you. How many of you guys thought about that? He's discussing your problems with the Father. Again, Jesus is that same omnipotent person that God the Father is, he can be all places at all times. He's praying for you right now. And in Matthew 6:25 through 34, I'm just going to read a little bit about it. It says, "Don't worry about your everyday life, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. So don't act like unbelievers. Your heavenly Father already knows what you need and He'll give it to you if you make His kingdom your primary concern. And don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, what He's saying is worry is unhelpful. Worry is worthless. Worry will never change anything. It's not going to change the past. All it does is mess up today. God loves you extravagantly. He's never going to stop loving you. But the problem is this. The love of God is worthless if we don't accept it. What Jesus did on that cross and coming from the, and walking out the grave is worthless if we don't receive it. See, you may have a plan for your life and your plan may not be working out the way you wanted it to. But you've got to remember, God has a plan for your life. But here's the key, you have to accept it. See, today we all get to start a new resurrection life.